Let me pray for us in, in our time in the Word. Father, I thank you for I thank you for Scott. Thank you, God, for his healing. God, I thank you for the good testimony of that it has been given around him and what you have done to to help increase his health and his recovery. I thank you, Father, that that even as he came here to serve today, I wasn't sure that he would be able to do that, but God, that you gave him a good word for your church. God, thank you for that encouragement. And I pray that we would listen to what you're saying. And I ask, God, that as we continue to worship, now, God, really in your word, learning, I pray, God, that your spirit would be with us. I ask, God, for you to increase knowledge and understanding in this room. I pray, God, above anything else for the gift of the utterance of wisdom, that you would help me, God, to say those things that are wise and true about your word. That you'd prevent me from saying anything, God, that is harmful or unhelpful. But I pray, God, at the end of this time, that all of the words that are about your word, that are true, will stand and be remembered. And I pray, God, that even as your word is being taught, spoken about, that you, by the power of your spirit, would speak to each of our hearts individually. And God, that you would give us fresh revelation from your word about our lives and the mission that You've given us. I pray, God, that we would rejoice today in hearing from You. I pray You'd protect us from the work of the enemy and from distraction. Father, please work among us in a powerful way, God. Speak to us, God. And let us hear as Your servants. In Jesus' name, Amen. So if you are... One of the, if you're someone who's watched the kind of new adaptation of the life of Jesus called The Chosen, there's a line in that show where Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, get used to different. And while we don't have a actual recording of those words that Jesus said, I do believe is an excellent description of his life and his ministry. It was different. It was different from Anything that anyone else had ever done, it was far different from what people had experienced before. And the reality is, I don't know if you have noticed this about yourself, it's true about most of us, we don't always like different. We struggle with different. And it is true in the day of Jesus, a lot of people struggled with different. People that opposed Jesus, the Romans, the religious leaders of the day, they really struggled with Him, with His ministry, with what He was doing, because it was different from what they were used to. It was different from what they had established. It was different from what they believed was correct. They struggled with Him to the point that eventually they killed Him. But it wasn't just his foes that struggled with different. It was his own disciples. It was his followers. It was the people that loved him. The people that believed in him. Many, many times in the Gospels, they struggled with what Jesus was saying and what he was doing and what he was calling them to do. Here's the reality. 2,000 some odd years later, nothing's changed. The foes of Jesus and the kingdom of God still struggle with him and his kingdom. That is, that is ultimately, that, that's why the world opposes the church and the, the, the ethics 
when the church is living out the Bible, I'm not talking about when the church creates their own rules, but I'm talking about when we as the people of God are living, trying to live as God has called us to live. The world opposes that. They oppose the ethics of the kingdom of heaven because it's different. It's different from what we want in our nature. It's different from what we're used to. It's different from what we think is right. But again, it's not just the foes. If you are a disciple, you struggle sometimes with different. You struggle with what God is calling you to do. You struggle with what He is asking of you. You struggle with obedience. You struggle because it's different. Different from what our flesh wants. Sometimes different from our traditions. It's different. Jesus is different from us. His kingdom is different from our kingdom. And here is what I want you to keep in mind as we get into this text today, into this sermon, and that is the the central question of salvation, of the salvation of your soul, is whether or not you're willing to humble yourself and submit to different. To submit to what Jesus is saying and doing. Or are you going to hold on to what seems right to you? And that isn't just the question in salvation, But for those of us in this room who are saved, we do know Christ and we're following Him, it is also the central question in our spiritual growth. It is the central question in our maturity. What do we do with different? Because if you're following after Jesus, He is growing you. It is not a stagnant faith. You are not all He has called you to be yet. And and it's not just waiting for the moment that you see Him face to face. He is moving you. He is growing you. He wants Christ to increase in your life and for you to decrease. And if that happens, that means you have to embrace different. I have to embrace different. We have to humble ourselves and submit to what God says. I want you to keep that in mind as we get into this today because that is the That's the central question in salvation and in growth. Are we willing to submit to the different? If you're a note taker and you have one of our worship guides, let me invite you to look at this life truth this morning and get started in our text. This life truth, as a Christ follower, you should not despise those times when God does the unexpected. As a Christ follower, you should not despise those times when God does the unexpected. If you walk with God, He is going to surprise you. If you walk with Him, He is going to surprise you. And there will be times as you walk with Him that those are pleasant surprises. Something you didn't see coming and you love it and you embrace it and you're grateful for it in the moment. But if you walk with God, there are going to be times where some some things are going to happen and He's going to surprise you and it's not going to be pleasant. Initially, to your flesh, it is not going to be a surprise that you welcome. And you might even be tempted to have questions Not to have questions, but to question Him in why He's doing what He's doing. 
and even to have contempt for Him or His ways, to be critical of it or to fight against it because it's not a pleasant surprise. wasn't what you were anticipating and expecting Him to do and it's not something that you welcome. How you respond when God does something unexpected in your life that isn't pleasant is going to determine a lot of things. How you respond when God does something unpleasant that you were not expecting is going to determine the depth and the pace of your spiritual growth. How you respond when He does something unpleasant that was unexpected is going to determine how much of His glory people see in you and on you. And how many people are able to give thanksgiving to God because of your testimony. How you respond to those times will determine your own joy. I believe there are joyless Christians. I believe there are times where we have no joy. And sometimes the reality of that, the reason for it, is because we are fighting against what God is doing in our lives. Rather than embrace it and go with it and learn from it, we fight against Him because we don't want it to happen. And we miss out on joy. How we respond, I think, also determines our reward. Maybe in this life, certainly in the life to come. So I want to give you three biblical truths about God's unexpected ways. of How He sometimes does things that are unexpected. Three things that I want us to know and rest upon when God does the unexpected. First of all, I want us to know that God always acts out of His unchanging nature. God always acts out of His unchanging nature. You will often be surprised by God's ways. You should never be surprised by God's character because His character never changes. His ways change. What He's doing in your life, His actions, those things change. Sometimes they will be surprising, sometimes pleasant, sometimes unpleasant. But you can always bet and trust and stake your life on the fact that whatever God is doing, He is doing it out of His unchanging character. God is always loving, no matter what. So whatever He's doing, pleasant or unpleasant, you can guarantee that it is being done out of His love. He is holy. That never changes. Whatever He is doing in your life, pleasant or unpleasant, it is good, right, and holy. He is faithful to you. That never changes. In moments where you are surprised by something you didn't see coming, something that He's doing, and you maybe you, you're tempted to question God, you know His faithfulness never changes. He's faithful to you in that moment. You can go down the list. Psalm 102.27 says, The earth and heavens will pass away, but God is the same and His years never end. The one unchanging thing about history, about the universe, is the nature and character of God. You can trust in it whether He gives you a pleasant surprise or an unpleasant one. Secondly, God always acts with purpose. 
God acts out of His unchanging nature. And secondly, God always acts with purpose. So what I mean is, whatever He's doing in your life, it is not random. He's not like us. He didn't just have this new idea that He wants to try out on you. Whatever He is doing, there is a reason He is doing it. It is with purpose. It is with intentionality. Not only to grow you into the likeness of His Son, that Jesus would increase in you, and you would decrease, but also that He brings about His specific purposes for your life. All of us in here, there are general things that God has called us to, that He has a will for us to do, but there are also very specific things that He is willing and purposing for your life that you glorify Him in a unique way. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Right before you get to those passages, there's a statement in Isaiah. God says, remember this and be brave. I love that. And here's what He wants us to remember and be brave in. I am God. There is no other. I declare the end from the beginning. And from long ago, what is not yet done. And I say, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. God's nature never changes, and His plans cannot be undone. He has already declared the end from the beginning, and He is working to bring His purposes to pass. So whatever He does in our lives, when it's different, when it's unexpected, he is working out of His nature, and He is acting with us with purpose and intentionality. Working those things out of His life. The New Testament says that God works so that we will walk in the good works that He planned for us long ago. I mean, be excited that as a Christ follower, God has planned amazing good works for you to walk in. And He is working in your life to ensure that you walk out those good works in increasing measure. Some of those good works that He has planned for you, you couldn't even imagine them. And it's not to make much of you. It's to make much of Him. But He does different things and unexpected things, sometimes pleasant, sometimes unpleasant, to get us there. Number three. These biblical truths about God's unexpected ways. God acts with a fullness of knowledge and understanding. God always acts with a fullness of knowledge and understanding. Let me pause there and say, we don't have that. We don't have a fullness of knowledge and understanding. He does. Therefore, the rest of that note his ways conform to His wisdom, not to our expectations. God's ways conform to His wisdom, not to our expectations. Now again, we can always expect God to act out of His nature and to do things for us that's intentional and on purpose to bring about good in our lives. He, he's not here to harm us. He's not working in your life to harm you. It is to bring out of you good and to glorify Him and good works that He has 
planned. But his goal isn't to meet our expectations. His goal is to work his wisdom in our lives. Isaiah 55, 9, a passage we're probably familiar with, but is so incredibly important when we talk about this dynamic of different. God says, for as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God tells us from the beginning, what I am doing is loftier than what you would do. What I am thinking about your life is loftier than what you're thinking about your life. So I want you to think about that for a moment in terms of Advent. What happened in Advent? A word that we sometimes use in theological circles is called it's the condescension of Christ. It's a little bit of an odd word because we, we think of condescension as something bad, right? So if you speak to someone in a condescending tone, it means that you're trying to lower them with your speech. You're trying to bring them down by what you say. But when we theologically talk about the condescension of Christ, we're talking about Jesus' voluntary lowering of Himself to us. He's not lowering us. He lowered Himself to meet with us and dwell with us. Now, why did He do that? Christ brought the lofty, higher nature of the kingdom of heaven, the higher purposes of the kingdom of heaven, the higher ways of the kingdom of heaven, and He lowered them down to us. Not changed them, but lowered Himself and that kingdom to meet with us and dwell with us. And why did He do that? Well, I want to go back to what I shared with you last week. Ephesians chapter 2. Two verses from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. When we were dead in our trespasses, dead, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And, anybody remember what comes next? Raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in heavenly places. Jesus lowered Himself in the kingdom of heaven that He might dwell with us and raise us up to where He is. He lowered Himself to bring the ethics of the kingdom of heaven that He might raise us up to meet those ethics. He lowered Himself the nature of the kingdom of heaven that He might raise us up to that nature. He lowered Himself in the ways and the purpose of the kingdom of heaven that He might raise us up to those ways and those purposes. Again, He didn't lower the standard. He brought it to us. God's ways are higher than our ways, but God brought Himself to us that He might raise us up. That's the Gospel. That He lowered us up, that He lowered Himself that He might raise us up. If we believe in Him, if we trust Him, I loved what Scott said earlier. Said so many times, it's the, it's, it's, it's the biggest danger we face in the South. It'd be different if we lived somewhere else, another country, another part of this country. Maybe we've never heard the gospel, never believed it, but in the South, so many people, religion is part of their tradition. You can sit in a church your whole life and not truly belong to Jesus. 
because you've not submitted yourself to Him. You've not placed your faith in Him for the forgiveness of your sins and made Him the Lord of your life. You don't make Him the Lord, but you, know, you guys know what I mean. You're not submitting to Him as your Lord. Think upon that. Ask yourself hard questions. Do you trust in religion? Or do you trust in Jesus? And do you show you trust in Jesus by obeying Him? Do you strike out on your own way? Or are you following the way Jesus gave to you in His Word? So yes, it was a very long introduction, but we're all going to find God acting in ways that are unexpected to us. Why does God surprise us? Because His nature is different from ours, His purposes are different from ours, and His wisdom is different from ours. But in all of it, we can trust Him because He is working to lift us up. I heard someone say recently to me, I was talking with them on the phone, and they said, you know, I think that God always acts in ways that we would want Him to act if we knew what He knew. God always acts in the way that we would want Him to act if we knew what He knows. If we had that full understanding and full knowledge, we would say, oh, wow, okay, yes, absolutely, God, do it that way. And so much of our Christian life is saying that without knowing yet what He knows. Trusting that He is good and trusting that He has a purpose for us. This whole idea of different is modeled for us in this parable today. And not only is it modeled to us, this idea of different and how God does the unexpected, not only is it modeled in the parable, but it is modeled in the motivation for the parable. So what is happening in Luke chapter 5? Let me give you two or three unexpected things that had happened just before Jesus tells this parable. The first unexpected thing is in Luke 5, verses 27 and 28, when Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector, to be one of his disciples. You and I don't understand how different that really was. This was a, this was, this was a Jewish man who worked for the Romans. The Romans oppressed the Jews. So Matthew works for the Romans and a lot of tax collectors, and we don't know if Matthew was doing this, but a lot of tax collectors would, uh, would join in that oppression of their fellow Jews in order to gain money, their own personal gain. So they were hated by the Jewish people. They weren't loved by the Romans either. They were just used by the Romans and they were hated by the Jews. And Jesus called one of them to be his disciple. That was unexpected. His other disciples guarantee you they wrestled with that. Simon the Zealot, whose life before Christ was all about fighting against the Romans, pretty sure he battled with that a little bit. Unexpected. Then what happens? Even more unexpected. Matthew says, well, I'll follow you. Hey, why don't you come to my house and I'm going to throw you a big dinner and I'm going to invite all my tax collector friends, and let's all hang out. 
And Jesus says, good idea, I'll be there. So that's what happens. A great banquet, a meal at Matthew's house. All his tax collector friends are there. Jesus goes, he dines, and that's unexpected. And the Pharisees, guess what? They don't like that too much. I don't know if you've know, noticed this pattern. They're pretty grumpy. They, they're mad all the time, and this is just another reason they're mad at Jesus. But again, some of his own followers probably wrestled with that. And then a third unexpected thing. The disciples of John, John the Baptist, they come to Jesus. They see what Jesus is doing. And they ask Him a question. Why do you and your disciples not fast? We fast. We don't go to dinner parties. We, we mourn. We deny ourselves. We fast and pursue and seek after God. And, and you know what? We don't like the Pharisees either, but even the Pharisees fast two days a week. Ritually, routinely, why, why do your disciples not do that? Jesus answers the question. He says, do you really expect, do you really expect the wedding party to mourn, to fast when the bridegroom is with them? In other words, if your purpose of fasting is to pursue and seek the presence of God, you don't fast when you're in the presence of God. And then he says, there will be a time where I'm going to be taken from them, and they will fast. They will seek me through fasting, but now is not that time. And in succession, those three unexpected things happen, and that is when Jesus tells this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If you have a tear in your clothes, to fix that, you don't go buy something new, rip it apart, and put that patch on that old clothing. Because if you do that, you just ruin the new thing, and it can't even patch the old. And then immediately he tells this second part of the parable. You don't put new wine in old wineskins. In that day, wineskins, I think they were made out of animal hide and they were meant to expand. So you put new wine into the wineskin and then as the wine is doing its process and fermenting more and all the chemical reactions that happened, it would expand and the wineskin would expand with it. If you go get more new wine and you try to put that new wine in that old wineskin, it's going to expand more. And Jesus says what's going to happen is that wineskin is going to break. You're going to ruin the wineskin and all the wine is going to spill. So when new wine comes, you put it in a new wineskin. The new wine Jesus is talking about is the new covenant of God's work. The Holy Spirit of God, far different from the old covenant. Far different from what He did in the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, listen, guys, you have a a mindset 
And what I'm trying to tell you is this new work I'm here to do, this new work that God is doing, yes, it's different, yes, it's unexpected, but you can't take this new work and cram it in your old structures. You can't take the new thing that God is doing and fit it in the old traditions and systems of your religion. He's not saying that the old system was bad. It was from God. He's not saying that it should just be done away with. Jesus didn't come to do away with all of that. He came to fulfill it. But Jesus is saying there is a brand new work that I am doing by the Spirit of God. And you're not going to be able to just think the way you've always thought. You're not going to be able to just worship and do the things you've always done. It's different. And you're going to have to change with it. Those old structures and the Old covenant, they're not sufficient for the new work of God. That's what Jesus is saying here. So I want us to think about that in terms of ourselves, because I've said each week we should place ourselves in the parable. I think Jesus means for us to do that. So we can understand, hopefully, from the text what Jesus is saying. Yes, I'm calling people to follow me that you would not expect me to. It's new wine. You're not going to be able to fit that into your old way of thinking. Yes, I'm dining with sinners because, you know what? It's not the healthy that need a doctor. He says the sick do. Those who know they're sick, they need a physician. I've come for the sick. You're going to have to get used to that. It's different. And, and no, we're, we're not fasting right now. We're, they're celebrating because they're in the presence of God. It's different. God is in the flesh. Emmanuel, God is with you, with them. So they're celebrating and feasting. Yes, that's what they're supposed to do. It's different. And I think it's still the same with us. In your notes, I think we should think of the wine as God's work in our life by His Spirit. New wine, I believe, is God's work in your life by His Spirit. And I gave you an extra blank there. If you want to put the big theological word, it is your sanctification. God's work in your life when you're a Christ follower, when you know Him and you've been saved by Him, the work He is doing in your life by His Spirit is called sanctification. So what are the wineskins? Here's the thing I want you to know. God is always doing new work. Now, there's a lot of people, even people that I would call brothers in Christ, who would disagree with me about that. Every work that God does, it is rooted in Scripture. God never doesn't do anything that doesn't line up with this. Everything He does is in line with His Word. It will not be opposed by this Word. And I've said many times, I believe this is the primary way that God, by His Spirit, speaks to us. But God is still speaking to His people. God is still giving revelation to His people in line with His Word. And if you're a Christ follower, He does not want you to be stagnant where you are. 
He wants more of Jesus and less of you. He wants to do new work, give you new insights and revelation, new knowledge, new understanding from His Word, so that you can live by new wisdom. That is absolutely true. But here is also what's absolutely true. If you always try to cram that new work in your old wineskin, something's going to break. Or growth isn't going to happen. So what are wineskins in our life? What does it mean that sometimes we need new wineskin? I'm going to give you four ideas here. Probably not an all-inclusive list. But what does it mean that sometimes God has to change our wineskin for that new work? Number one, sometimes our wineskin is our perception. Sometimes God needs to change how we see things. I want to be very careful here. But what I'm about to say, I believe. Your understanding of God's Word should be growing at all times, which means sometimes you're going to see His Word in a way you haven't before, and some of your old perceptions of His Word is going to change. Now, I don't mean that God takes us out of orthodox teaching, because there are people who say that. There are people right now who say there's new revelation. Here's the new revelation. God is actually okay with this orientation in culture. God is actually okay with this type of marriage in culture. God's actually okay with abortion or or whatever it may be. And so they try to bend the Word to take the church from orthodox teaching. That's not what we're talking about right now. And that, by the way, is why some people try to throw away new revelation because they say there's a lot of danger in it. Sure, if we don't abide with Jesus and stay close to His Spirit. But He's speaking. I've told you this before, but one of the most impactful things that ever happened to me when I went to Bible college was my very, very first class. And an older professor who was a pastor in North Alabama, he introduced himself to the class, and then he looked at all of us and he said, here's something I want you to know before I start this class for this semester. Somewhere, my way of thinking about God's Word is wrong. The problem is I don't know where. And then he let that sink in for a minute and he said, now I know some of you think that was very odd for me to say, but I want you to think about what the opposite of that would be. What if I told you I understand everything about God's Word perfectly? He said, that's not true. So if we're growing in God and we're walking with Him, sometimes our perception has to change. We should be receiving new understanding from His Word, new knowledge from His Word. We should see things that we didn't see before. And sometimes we're going to release things that we used to understand it one way, but God is revealing to us, oh wow, okay, no. You know what, in the past I haven't really seen this. That's part of the Christian life, and we have to be ready for that. If we don't, if we're just holding on to what we've always thought, And how we've always seen everything, we're going to be in spiritual kindergarten and never graduate. Secondly, think of the wineskins as your worship. As your worship. So certainly I mean what we do as a church. When we come together as a church, 
There may be times where God does different things, new things, in line with His Word. We have to be okay with that. Right now, behind the scenes, if I can pull the curtains back, God is doing something really different with me in how I preach and how I prepare for preaching. It is not extremely comfortable for me, but I'm, I'm pretty convinced that God has been telling me now for a few weeks and a few months that there was something different He was going to do about just my general way that I prepare. I'm usually really detailed about words and what I'm going to say, and some of that's because, you know, we, we you know, I'm, I'm always, not always the best with grammar, and, and we got a couple of certified grammar cops in here, and I try to avoid them if I can, not get tickets. All right. But, but the reality is, I feel like God is taking me to do something different in preparation. And so I'm kind of having to give up this desire to just always speak rightly. Or their desire for me to always speak rightly. But it's not just what we do here. In parentheses there, next to your worship, write the word obedience. Because here's the thing. Worship isn't just what we do here. Worship is also how we live. Listen, if there's never a time that God tells you to do something different in how you obey, it's probably because we're not listening. There's going to be that moment where He's going to say, you've been giving that, I want you to give double. You've been doing that, I want you to now do this. You've been serving that way, I now want you to serve this way. And immediately you're going to think, what, what's wrong with what I've been doing? I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to keep serving that way, keep giving that way, keep living that way. Because I like it. I'm used to that. Sometimes He's going to tell you to stop doing something you've been doing. Maybe something that's not even bad. He's going to say, stop listening to that. Stop watching that. Stop doing that. And you're going to say, well, I've always been comfortable with that before. That's okay. He's doing something new. You don't hold on to that old thing when God tells you to obey in a new way. Sometimes He needs to change our worship. Number three, sometimes He changes our circumstances. Sometimes the wineskins are our circumstances. I remember God giving me this text very clearly in 2009, either right before or right after I was laid off from my job that I'd had for 10 years. I think we had three kids at that time. And all of a sudden I was without a job. And all what I remember God stressing to me, I wasn't even reading it, I just remember the words coming to me, New wine needs new wineskins. And in that moment, what I believed God was saying is that I'm, I'm going to do a new work, but i got to change your circumstance for that work to happen. Now, I'll tell you, I interpreted that to mean I was about to jump into full-time ministry. I was convinced that's what He meant. thought I was going to be a full-time youth pastor somewhere. What I didn't know is six months later, He was going to send me to a different company to pretty much do what I was doing before. But 13, 14 years later, I look back and I go, oh, okay, I see that now. Someone told me this week, family in the church was talking to them, and they said, you know, we, God changed a lot of circumstances in our life in the last couple of years, including friends and where we were going to church and all of that. And it was really, really, really hard, and there was a lot of suffering, but I wouldn't change the growth for anything. But I also want you to write one more thing next to circumstances. Write the word habits. 
Because here's the reality. Sometimes we get focused on the circumstance. We, we're afraid God's going to tell us to move somewhere different, go live in a tent in Alaska or in the desert somewhere, or God's going to cause us to lose our job or something big's going to happen. Let me tell you what I think the majority of the time, what it is, is you just need to change your habits. God says, I want you to go deeper with me in prayer. And you say, okay. But you don't really want to change anything about your schedule to make it happen. Don't really want to get up early. Don't want to go to bed late. Don't want to skip lunch, whatever it takes. God calls you to go deeper in his word or serve somewhere different. And you say, okay, God, thank you. But you want to cram it in to where you are right now. We want the new, but we don't really want to change anything about our life because we like how it is. And sometimes the scariest thing about new wine and new work is having to give something up to make room for it. But sometimes that's exactly what it means to have your wineskins changed. Last one. Sometimes our wineskin is our comfort zone. Particularly here, what I mean by comfort zone is how you serve. I think there are times in almost every Christian's life where God rattles your cage when it comes to how you are serving Him and says, I'm going to call you to do something different. I don't necessarily think that means He changes your spiritual gifts. Maybe He gives you a new one. But there are times where He's going to rattle what you're used to and He's going to say, I'm calling you to serve and do something different. And your immediate thought, whether fear or whether just frustration or just not wanting to do it, is to hold on to that that you've been doing. And God is saying, you've got to let go of that to have grace in the new. I know I'm at time to close. Let me just say this. Let me give a practical example of a spiritual reality. Let me tell you where I wrestle with this the most. It's with parenting. I don't want my kids to grow up. I don't mean I want them to be 47 and living in my basement. I love my kids being small. I love them being young. I love them being in my house. I love my time with them. And what I'm finding really difficult is... Letting go as they grow up. But what I'm also finding as I do that is there's a lot of grace in the new seasons of life with them getting older. And I got two choices. I can grab a hold of the old and I can try to force everything back into what I'm used to and I can say we're going to stay right here. Or I can embrace the new and the joy that's in it. And it's the same spiritually. We can celebrate the old things God has done in our life. We can love those things. But if we love the old too much, we're never going to experience the new thing He wants to do. And I would even say He's going to do the new thing regardless. So a lot of it is how comfortable we're going to be in the process. Look at that life truth one more time. As a Christ follower, you should not despise those times when God does the unexpected. Our ability to not despise those times is trust in God and desire to be raised up with Him more and more and further and further. Know that He has good in mind. Before I call the worship team up, will you look at the prayer focus on the front of the worship guide in Luke 5.39? 
Here's the one verse Scott read I didn't go over. Let me read it again. Jesus makes this statement. I think this one's only found in Luke. But He says, No one after drinking old wine wants new because He says the old is better. That's the frailty of the human condition. We drink the old wine and we say, I don't want different. I don't want the new. I don't want the new work. The new's scary. The new's different. The new's unexpected. The reality is, though, there's grace in the new. There's grace in the different. There's power in the new. There's strength upon strength upon strength in the likeness of Christ in our lives. So here's my prayer this morning for us. I want God to let us drink deeply of new wine in this church. I don't want us to do new things just to be doing them. But I want us to be open to what God wants to do that is new. I want us to be okay with that. And I want us to drink deeply when He does new work here. I want us to be rooted in His Word, but joyfully moving and growing with His Spirit, in step with His Spirit. So as I get the worship team to come up, I want to give us a chance to respond, and I want to ask two questions of us. The first one is this, where in your life are you holding on to an old wineskin? This sermon may be preparing you for a moment where God comes to change the wineskin, but some of us, we may know right now what this message is about. Where is God calling you to release an old structure, old way of thinking, old perception, old habits? Where is He leading you to let go of the old? And the second question I want to ask is very simple. Are you saved? Are you saved? Do you know that you are submitted to the Lordship of Christ? Do you know That you look to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you look to Him to give you your marching orders. That what He says, no matter how hard it is, is what you desire to do. We've got some prayer partners that are going to come and during this last song as we sing, we want to pray. Those of you who right now, you know like there's something old God wants you to release... I want to ask you to pray about that. And if you need someone to pray with you about that, utilize our prayer partners. If you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe you just don't know a definitive answer to that question, am I saved? I'll be over here and I would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus. If you don't want to talk to me right now, just find me before you leave. Let me know that you want to talk about that relationship and I'll get with you this week. And if there's anything else you would like prayer for, if you're sick, you need healing, if you're struggling in mind or body and you want people to pray, we will about anything. 
If you feel led to get up and go pray for someone this morning, do it. Listen, I, I, I know, you know, I know how it works. I know how we do. So right now, like we all have that mindset. All right, we're, we're kind of toward the end. Got a little bit of time left. We're going to sing this song. We're going to pray for a minute. Nick's going to come up, crack a couple of jokes, make some announcements. I'm going to go eat lunch. The presence of God is in this room. I believe that. We've, we've sung, we've prayed, we've looked at His Word. We don't just rush through this. He's with us. We can't see Him physically, but His Word promises. Two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. He's with us right now. So Jesus, help us to be open to the new wine of new work. Not for just the sake of being new, but to be ready for different in what You're doing in our lives and our church. God, for those this morning that You are distinctly calling them to lay something old down, to let go of an old mindset, an old way, an old tradition, help them, God, to be brave and do that. To know that You have declared the end from the beginning. And it is not an accident that they are here this morning, that they are hearing this message. And let them look to You and pray and receive from You. God, if there's anyone here who doesn't know You, would You save them today? Would You open their eyes? Would You call us today to be the day that they flee to You in faith? God, the sick in this room, would You please heal them for the glory of Your name, for the strength of their worship. Protect us from the enemy. Help us, God. Make us needy for You, but then fulfill and satisfy those needs, God. Help us, God, to be willing to be excited about the different work You're doing. Let the cry of our heart be more of Jesus and less of myself. God, please make Your presence known among us. Draw out of us thanksgiving, God, if it's riding it on a rock or if it's just standing and praising. God, help us not rush through this moment. You are with us. Emmanuel, help us believe that. Help us look for You. And may we find You. In Jesus' name, Amen.